Welcome to Jersey Justice, a civil law podcast that shares practical tips and stories about personal and workplace injuries. Join two of the brightest New Jersey injury attorneys, Gerald Clark and Mark Morris of Clark Law Firm, as they take you behind the scenes of justice and civil law. But first, a quick disclaimer. The information shared on this podcast is for general information purposes only. Nothing on this site should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create and does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Jersey Justice. And today I am here with Mark and Jerry, and we're going to be talking about dash cam liability and also the admissibility of dash cams in the courtroom when it comes to automobile accidents. So let's welcome Mark and Jerry. And, you know, Mark, what are your thoughts on this? I know that you've handled some cases when it comes to dash cam footage. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so we've talked about, probably said it 20 times over the course of doing this podcast. Like, what we care about is what's the truth, like what really happened in a case. So we've done a bunch of episodes about how it's important that we send a nurse to a defense medical exam to have, you know, a record of what happened, how we like to have an audio or visual recording of that. So kind of part and parcel, if there's dash cam footage of a crash, that's that can be really, really helpful to our case. It's so rare that there is, and it's it's very rare that I had a case where a good Samaritan had dash cam footage of, of the crash and pulled over, stuck around, gave it to the police. And where it can be really helpful is a lot of times in auto crash, if it's a rear end case, someone might say, oh, my, my foot cramped up or, you know, it got stuck on the, the floor mat so I couldn't break. And, you know, that that's all kind of BS for the most part. Almost everyone has an excuse, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for what's in front of you. You have to maintain maintain a safe following distance. But in cases where it's like, you know, who had the red light? Who had the green light? You know, was this person speeding? Things like that. If there's dash cam footage, it can be it can be really, really helpful. And I actually, I had a trial once where someone swore that they had a, a green turn arrow. The other driver swore that they had a green light, which would have meant that, you know, my client didn't have a green turn arrow. And I would have loved to have dash cam footage in that case, but but we didn't. So it's, you know, one person's word versus someone else's word. And in personal injury cases, I think that, you know, jury sometimes might have a predisposition to think that, oh, well, you know, the plaintiff, the person who got hurt, of course, they have an incentive to say they had the green or, or whatever it is. You know, they're looking to get money in this. But again, at the end of the day, what we want is like, hey, what's the truth? What really happened? So in these cases where there's dash cam footage, it can be really helpful. And I actually, I have a clip I could pull up and, and show. It's kind of tough to see because it's a little bit in the distance, but it was in Long Branch. It was back in, in 2019. I think they were on, I want to say 36. They're going and there's a cross street. It's actually right by where our old office was years and years ago. I, I think when Jerry first started his, his place, it was in West Long Branch. And there's a, a cross street and this Good Samaritans guy's dash cam footage on. And I'll share my screen and I think if you look closely, you can you can see it, and then I'll tell you a little bit about it. All right, so you're going to be looking kind of center, top left-ish here. There's there's an intersection coming up. I'll just hit play. You can kind of see there. There's a green light, and there's a car coming through the intersection, which obviously means they had a red light. So, Mark, this is a just some random driver that was behind the whole thing. Just some random guy. I'll see if if you guys can hear the audio going through it. Just some random guy, he's driving with his wife, girlfriend, 
sister, whoever it may be, in the car and they're and they're talking. And I guess more and more people have these dash cams, which which are great. I feel like you see it more in cities. But here, this guy's got it on. It's recording for whatever reason. And then you can see up here, this is an intersection. I don't know if you saw, but a car started to come through. And if you keep watching right in this area where my mouse is. So I don't know if you guys saw that. It's, it's pretty pretty quick, but this car goes. He he runs a red light, hits into the car that's on the right side of the screen, which then hits into a pole. You go back, it shows the people, you know, coming out of the car. I think one person like collapses to the ground as they're walking out. I didn't see. I didn't see the crash. So I'll go back because you got to watch it closely to see it. It's probably kind of small on here too, but and I'll do it again, Dimple, if you don't mind. Just because I think the more you see it, the more it's it's yeah, easier to see. And what you're looking. What you're looking for, as this guy's driving up, you see a car start to come through the intersection, left to right. And then it hits with the car that's going through that's got a green light. And then that car hits into a telephone pole. So if you just watch that intersection up there, you'll see the car kind of come from the left side of the screen. You can see the green light now, right? Did you guys see it better that time? So from my perspective, you know, and uh, Jerry, I would assume you agree too, but like we get up there and when I say we get up there, we get up and we, you know, talk to a jury and we say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this was a, you know, this is a heavy crash, a lot of property damage. You know, the plaintiffs minding their own business. They're driving through the intersection. They've got the green defendants got a red light, disregard that red light, heavy collision damage walks out of the car, falls down. Me saying that has like this much effect me clicking play and playing a video that shows that has people have, I feel like a much more visceral reaction, a lot stronger reaction when you can actually see it. So it's so rare that this happens, but in this particular case, it took a lot of those liability questions kind of off the table because what are they going to do? Be like, no, 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 I, I had a green light. It's very clear from the picture, from the video, who had a green light, who didn't. What are they going to say? No, it was a low impact, you know, light collision. Like you see the car careen off the road, hit into another pole. And then what are they going to say? You know, there was, they weren't hurt. Like they were fine. The person walks out of the car and collapses to the ground. So having a video like this, what did they say in the police report? Like, did the police, like, did they know there was dash cam video? Yep. Yes. And that basically, I think the guy got ticketed. I don't think I'm pretty positive. He got ticketed for a number of things, but this person, you know, pulling over, it seems like he was really willing to help out. I mean, he sticks around. You got all the debris and everything right here. I think he gave a statement to the police, turned the dash cam footage over. I think that's how we got it through the police report, requesting the police report. And it was a case where the woman ended up 
she was sitting in, I think it was the back passenger seat. And somehow she hit onto something where she got this big scar through the top of her forehead. And, you know, it ended up healing like really, really well, but it was a case that ended up settling for, I think it was close to, you know, a couple hundred thousand. And and this video I'm sure played a really big part in that because especially scar cases, they can kind of be all over the map, but there's just looking at the total picture, you know, the damages, the liability, seeing this video, like, cause I, I would, regardless of whether or not they stipulated to, to liability, I'd say, all right, well, the extent of the damages are in dispute. So I'm going to play this video to show how the crash happened, you know, the nature of the crash, what, you know, if it was a heavy collision or what. And I think the jury, that would be very motivating to see that. So it, it's really, really helpful. It's rare that you'll have that where it will show the actual crash. But then a lot of times what we do have is, you know, the police officers respond to the scene. There's body cam footage or there's, there might be dash cam footage. I think more and more we, we see that. And sometimes you'll get some good stuff in there where it's, you know, the defendant makes a statement that later they're like, oh, no, I never said that. And, you know, you can play that. Just little things like that. But yeah, any anytime there's dash cam footage and it shows, you know, what our clients saying happened, I, I think it's really, really helpful to the case. It's just not that common. I think, Mark, it was really nice of that person to actually stop and, you know, provide the footage over because that, that came really handy for the case, right? But my question is, when it comes to the courtroom and dash cams, what is actually admissible or not? Like, what's the criteria for determining admissibility of a dash cam footage in a case in the courtroom? Normally, I feel like for any picture, video thing to come in, it would have to fairly and accurately depict, you know, whatever it is it's showing. With this, it's sometimes too, if it's something where it like speaks for itself, like it's not something that can be fabricated necessarily. I think it would all depend like what the foundation would need to be. Like if we would need to call this guy to come in or, or what, like with police, a lot of times like the dash cam or the body cam, that's something that's kept in the regular course of business. So I think we'd have a better avenue to get it in like that. With this, I don't think there would be any dispute that, you know, of what it shows, like it shows what it shows. We might just need to bring somebody in to say that, yes, this fairly and accurately depicts, you know, what's shown in the video, that this is how the crash happened. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like a legal explanation, but in the real world, in a trial like this, the dash cam footage is going to come into evidence. But the way the insurance companies, you know, because in all these cases, <clears throat> for the most part, there's an insurance company. So like when that person got hit in the intersection there, they're going to bring a claim against the other driver. But in reality, the claim is against the other driver's insurance company. And the insurance company is the one that would stand to pay and all that stuff. So then the insurance company is going to defend the case because they don't want to pay the claim. And they're going to defend in several different ways. The primary way that they're going to defend these cases is to say that that lady was faking her injuries. They say it in almost every single case. They hire these defense doctors that are paid hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars each year based on our experience of what we found to testify almost exclusively for insurance companies and, and the defense. And almost in every case, they're going to say that the subjective complaints don't match the objective evidence. And that's just a fancy way of the doctor saying they're faking and exaggerating. So they're saying like, oh, my shoulder hurts. Oh, well, there's the evidence doesn't show the shoulder hurts. So even though the MRI will be positive and you'll have an independent radiologist that will say the shoulder is that there's a injury there and a problem or that there's an injury or problem in the spine, the defense doctor will 
inevitably, in our experience, we have found in most of the cases, we'll say that, no, the MRI doesn't show that. And they'll disagree with the radiologist that, that read the films and they'll disagree with the treating doctor. And they'll say, no, it's minor pathology. So I guess talking about dash cam, dash cam footages, that's kind of a long-winded way of saying in most of these cases, the insurance company, so what they do is during the case, they'll contest liability. So these cases will go on for like two, three years, sometimes more in, in the litigation. And that's where there's depositions and motions and all kind of litigation. In many ways, in our opinion, it's designed by the insurance company to wear down the other side. They're trying to wear down the plaintiff. They're trying to wear down the plaintiff's lawyer so that they take less money. And one way they do that is during the litigation in a case like this, I can almost guarantee you if Mark pulls up the answers to interrogatories, which is the sworn answers by the defense as to what their defense is in the case and what are they contesting, that kind of thing. I can almost guarantee you that those answers to interrogatories will say that the plaintiff was at fault for that crash. And, and they'll say that the plaintiff was negligent. The plaintiff didn't look where they were going. And they'll do that throughout the course of the case because they want us to spend time and money taking depositions, getting the dash cam footage, maybe having it looked, by, looked at by an expert. So they'll fight that for two, three years to try to wear us down. And then when you get to court and the jury's there, right before the jury comes into the case, they'll tell the judge, we're not contesting liability, judge. And so in a case like this, where there's clear dash cam footage, the insurance company will use it to wear down the other side. And right before the jury gets there so that they don't look unreasonable in front of the jury, they'll then say, ladies and gentlemen, we don't dispute that our client is at fault for this crash to make it sound like they're reasonable. However, we just don't think that they're injured or that the injury is what the plaintiff says it is. And then they'll make the plaintiff out to be a liar and they'll make the plaintiff out to be like they're scamming to try to get money and they're not really hurt and they're exaggerating, kind of tapping into the worst, the worst biases that people have in this kind of thing. So the dash cam footage is a long winded way of me saying it can be, it's certainly helpful, but I would bet even in that case, without the dash cam footage that the defendant is probably because they don't have time to reflect. They haven't yet talked to their insurance company. They're still under the trauma of the crash that they're just going to tell the truth because they don't have time to reflect. So even in that case, if there was not that dash cam footage, I suspect that the defendant driver still would have would not have contested that they went through a red light, especially because you had all those witnesses there of those other cars as well. And they haven't have time to fabricate or reflect. So the other reason, so then they'll come to trial and they'll contest. They'll say, we're not, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we're not contesting liability, like making it sound like the reason. Meanwhile, they've been dragging the plaintiff through the mud the last three years, you know, on, on everything, including liability. The other thing is they'll come and they don't want that video to get into evidence because it also shows how hard the trauma was and how, how much of a crash it was. Because often what the insurance company will do as well is they'll say, well, that was a minor impact. And there was only, you know, a thousand dollars in damage to the car. And they'll make this argument that because there wasn't a lot of damage to the car, then therefore the plaintiff didn't suffer a lot of damage either, which doesn't equate because, you know, you have a big hunk of metal. And while this big metal, you know, car didn't get damaged, therefore the human body, a lot of it doesn't make sense. But they won't want that dash cam footage in because it will show how traumatic the crash was 
and they don't want the jury to know that they want to be able to say it was a minor crash. So that's where we would argue because they'll, they'll say we're not contesting liability to get the dash cam footage out. Because if you're not contesting liability, we don't need to see the dash cam footage that shows they went through a red light. But then what we will say is that it's still relevant to damage. It's, it's relevant to the trauma, to how heavy the impact was and that kind of thing. So that's my fault. Hey, Mark, do, do me a favor, read the question and the answer in that case, as to, as to the question about who's at fault for that crash we just saw on the video. All right. I've got it. So it says who was negligent for what happened? The answer by the defendant driver. By the defendant driver who was on video running a red light, hitting into the car where our client was a passenger. Hold on, just so everyone knows. Yeah. So these are these are sworn discovery responses. And what happens is they're prepared by the attorney assigned by the insurance company. And so these are essentially coming from the insurance company or their, the insurance lawyer who's writing these responses for the person that went through the, the red light. So the answer as to who is at fault for the crash, essentially, the defendant insurance company's answer says plaintiff, who is our injured client, and or other parties failed to make proper observations, failed to be attentive, may not have been utilizing a seatbelt, failed to observe applicable motor vehicle statutes. I guess the motor vehicle statute that says if you have a green light, you shouldn't go through it. Failed to maintain proper following distances, failed to take evasive action, drove at an excessive rate of speed, failed to maintain proper control of the vehicle, failed to use that degree of caution commensurate for plaintiff's own safety. So that's what the insurance company says. So that's the real, that's the real story here. I got a call recently on a case, you know, I'm not going to name any names or anything, but I got a call for someone whose assistant at their, at their house got injured and they were calling for them. And, and it's funny there, I, I talked to them about what they can expect in the, in the legal process and because they were trying to help out their, their employee who got hurt. And, and I said, well, the employee could, could like claim this or that. And then they, they stopped me and they said, no, wait a minute. The employee is the type of person, they're not going to lie. And I said to them, I said, I'm not suggesting they are going to lie. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the case would be, what the claims are. And it's so funny. These people immediately assumed that because there was a potential claim there or a potential injury case that somehow the person's going to lie. And that's kind of what we're, we're up against in these cases a lot. There's just like a predisposition that if someone's bringing a claim, the claimant is going to lie. But the reality of the situation here, what we've seen and Mark just read it to you is it's just, you know, the world isn't fair and we accept that, but you know, at some point it gets, it gets, it's, it gets a little, it gets a little crazy. So like, this person went through the red light, caused that crash you just saw, and the insurance company will drag the plaintiff. Could you imagine being the plaintiff in that crash, that you're minding your own business, you're going through an intersection, probably going to like your kid's basketball game or going to see your, your mother or going to work, minding your own business. This person who's probably on a cell phone rails through the intersection. By the way, the speed limit on on 36 that speed limit is like 50 miles an hour 55 and those cross streets are probably about 30 35 miles an hour so going through that intersection and then they get hurt their life's probably turned upside down in a lot of ways they got this scar on their face now and they have to read 
a sworn discovery response prepared by a multi-billion dollar insurance company that says they're at fault for that crash. That says the person, because you weren't being attentive, you weren't, and they'll drag them through that mud for two to three years. It's like salt in the wounds. And then right before the jury comes in, they're going to tell the jury, ladies and gentlemen, my client's reasonable. My client has accepted responsibility for what happened here. That's what they're going to tell the jury. Meanwhile, for three years, they've been they they sworn to oath that it was the plaintiff who is at fault for what happened there. So I don't know. I don't mean to get on a soapbox here, but that's my reaction because Mark was going to show us was going to show us that before. And I said, wait, Mark, let me just I said, let me see it for the first time on video. So now I'm seeing it for the first time on video and getting the whole backstory and Sorry, I'm getting in my, my soapbox about this stuff a little bit, but I am. That's my reaction to it. No, I think that's good because, I mean, this is what really happens. And the point of, you know, the podcast is to show people what happens behind the scenes because they wouldn't know all of the things that we're sharing with them right now. So I think, you know, that was a great example that Mark shared. And you gave us a perspective of how the insurance companies handle things, even with, you know, dash cam footage, right? So I think that was a great example. So one final question I have is, what are both of your thoughts on, do you think more drivers should have dash cams? I mean, there's pros and cons, right? But as lawyers, what is your you know, opinion on having a dash cam or not, good or bad? Jerry, it does seem like you care a lot about the, the dash cam thing and like the video. My view is I feel bad for the kids that are growing up today with cameras everywhere, social media, you know, kids go out to a party, and they want to get crazy and it's all on video, you know? Okay. So for legally speaking, if you have a case, everything that happens in the world should be video 24 seven, and then we'll always know, but you know, who wants to live in that world? I don't know. We sort of are living in that world because every time you turn around, there's a camera somewhere you can assume you're being recorded. Do I think it's good for society? No. Is it good for legal cases? Maybe, you know, the problem though is now because Everything is caught on video. There's video everywhere that when you go to court, juries are like, well, if it's not on video, it didn't happen. And that can be a problem. Back in the day, you know, video was, you know, I don't know what day we're talking. It depends what day we're talking about. But back in the day, there wasn't so much video stuff and, and it'd be more relying on testimony and that kind of thing. But now, yeah, like I said, if it's not on video, if we don't have pictures of it right at the time of the incident, it can be a problem in court, but, but yeah, I think there's probably too much video and too much social media and all that stuff these days. It's yeah. good, good legally, I guess, pros and cons, good for society. I don't know. I'll leave that up to others to decide. Yeah. What is that? It's like the CSI effect or something. Every case they expect there to be like a blood splatter analysis and fingerprints all over and seeing photos, video. It's just, and that's why I kept saying how rare it is to actually have video footage of a crash like that. It just, yeah, it just doesn't really happen. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's good. It can be good or it can be bad. It can matter or not matter. But from what Mark just showed us there, it doesn't matter to the insurance company if there's video or, or if Jesus Christ or Muhammad swears to it, they're still going to say the plaintiff was at fault for what happened, at least for a couple of years until the jury gets there. 
It's true. All right. That's that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And this is a wrap. But if you guys do have questions, feel free to send us your questions at questions at jerseyjusticepodcast.com so we can answer them live. You may be featured. Your question may be featured. So don't be shy. Send us your questions and we'll see you on the next episode. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of Jersey Justice Podcast. If you're loving what you're hearing, it's time to hit that subscribe button on Apple, YouTube, and Spotify podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review online. Share this podcast with your friends and become their legal hero. Dive into more episodes at jerseyjusticepodcast.com or clarklawnj.com and check out our show notes for more information. If you're navigating legal issues and need a guiding light, we're just a phone call away. Call us at 1-877-841-8855. Again, 1-877-841-8855. Until next time, Jersey Justice Warriors, stay empowered and informed.